0: Welcome again to From the Classroom of Heidelberg Theological Seminary. With us today, I'm Dr. Mosley, Academic Dean here at Heidelberg Theological Seminary, Registrar, Dr. Kerner, President of Heidelberg Theological Seminary, and Dr. Morgan, the Director of International Studies. And I wanna, actually, today we're gonna be looking at, we're continuing the subject of being churchmen, but we're taking it to what is that work of the denomination, uh, that work of uh, the church at large? And for that purpose, we're going to have Dr. Morgan read from Acts chapter 13.
1: All right, Acts chapter 13, uh, verses 1 uh, through, let's go to 4. Yes. All right. Now, there were at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And part of the reason for reading this
0: particular passage is this is missions now the the beautiful thing about this is is, this is both home missions and foreign missions because they are going uh, you know next door but then they are going going to be going over into a different land and part of denominational work is the work of home missions the work of foreign missions the work of missions Uh, and then some of the other things that we can discuss uh, of that denominator, you know, is diaconal work. Mm-hmm. Um, I know uh, the RCUs has partnered with the OPC to help out our brothers in the Philippines uh, multiple times. Hurricanes happening in Kenya, hurricanes, hap- yeah, in Kenya. Mm-hmm. hurricanes happening down there in Texas. I think it was one of the biggest ones recently. Was helping out the brothers down there in Texas. Us sending some work to the OPC churches down there to rebuild some things. But there's also, and this is one of the things that I'm I'm really excited to have Dr. Morgan talk about, uh, is in the OPC, they have uh, a pretty strong chaplaincy program
1: uh, that he actually, you sit on the committee for that, is uh, that correct? I, I'm on the denominational uh, chaplain for, uh, yeah. committee for chaplains and military personnel, and then we nominate every year one of our, or three of our members to be on the commission, just yeah. I was on it last year. Yeah, and then, and then
0: one of the other things, we're a seminary, uh, is mm-hmm. the, the churches at large, the denominations are to also work with education. But let's begin, in the context of what's happening there in Acts 13, we see that the Holy Spirit is, is saying, go do missions.
2: Yes, and it, there's, there's a lot of interesting happening there. It's Antioch. It's not Jerusalem. Yeah. I always find that interesting because, of course, Jerusalem is its most hardcore of a Jewish background. And missions means taking the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, they've gotten that lesson, but they're still struggling with that. Antioch was a place where there were many of what are are referred to as the Hellenistic Jews, Jews who had lived in the Mediterranean world. And so they're a little bit more open. And then soon you have more and more Gentiles actually becoming part of church. That was the problem that led to the issue in in Acts 15. But just to notice that uh, it is the local church at Antioch, Mm Uh, and its leaders that send out the missionaries. Um, and commission them, as you said, the Holy Spirit uh, says. And of course, by that we, we mean the Scripture tells us. We are to send out missionaries. We are to do missions. Now, you also mentioned uh, home and foreign missions. That's a bit of a practical uh, distinction that we use. But all missions is missions. That's right. Uh, the, the person living next door uh, to your church um, I would argue needs to hear the gospel and the purpose of per- person, excuse me, the other side of the world equally needs to hear the gospel. And they're equally my concern to hear that gospel mm-hmm. to the extent that I'm able to. Now, there are practical issues that come in there. But what is interesting, the local church send them out. And yet what they did when they came back was reported beyond the local church. When mission churches are started in Antioch, it's the church at large, the whole church, as we talked about in our last session, that then uh, had concern for the issues that we're dealing with in terms of the Gentiles, et cetera. So there is local church, there is, uh, as we use the, uh, the language classes or Presbyterian Senate, General Assembly, um, is
0: all concerned in the mission of the church. Well, one of the things you were saying, uh, Earlier was that, yeah, they reported back to Antioch, but they had to go back to Jerusalem too. In other words, there's that. Uh, while the RCUs does not have a central denominational headquarters, we don't have that. Uh, Jerusalem acted as that, in a sense, where that was where they were having their synod meetings, their general assembly meeting, and whether we want to think of that as the headquarters or whatever that is that was where they had the sending out then they're in Antioch the local church then gets to say go do this over here and i think it's a very important point to make to make and you you, you hinted at it but uh, talk a little bit about the fact that they didn't just go to Antioch and report at that local church well that they took it a little bit further
2: yes and i would i would say even though it's in a very primitive early undeveloped way i think there's growth of the church, and you know, how to do the things of church within the book of Acts. Uh, but when when Paul and Barnabas came back, or particularly when Paul came back from establishing churches in his journeys, and as you said, not only went then to Antioch and say, see what I've been doing, but he reported to the brethren in Jerusalem, uh, I would argue that that's, that's when the brethren had gathered for a meeting. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a formally called synod meeting or not, but in some sense they were together. And and being involved in the in the being churchmen, being involved in the church. Mm-hmm. And so uh absolutely what Paul did in the foreign missions field when he
0: established churches was of interest to the church at large. Therefore, accountable, and that was that's a piggyback off of our last episode. Mm-hmm. That's right. Accountable to the other churches.
1: Could I read something I want to yes, uh, read? Yeah. All right. Um you know. I preached through second Corinthians uh, less than a, two years ago. I just found this little gem of a, a little passage talking about to the Corinthians of the grace of God that the Philippians and the other Macedonian churches had showed. they're the poor churches by the way right in, in, in that part of the world. Um, now brethren, we wish to make known to you uh, you all at Corinth who are rich, okay? We want to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. Corinth, Corinthians in Achaia, of course. And that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. Why? Because the church at Jerusalem and the Christians at Jerusalem were starving and under uh, distress and they needed help. Paul uh, appeals to them, hey, those people who have the same calling as you, i know you never met them i know they don't go to the same church as you guys do i know that they don't have the same language even but you need to give some money because they need help yeah. and they're your brothers and sisters well and that brings up uh, diaconal work yeah I, it, that's it, that is diaconal work but it is teaching the right. local churches in that part of the world in greece that you're part of this is not just a separate thing
0: that's right no yeah. right two different parts of the of the roman empire mm-hmm but connected because of Christ. And even further in that in that passage, um, I think it's that passage or, or similar
2: where Paul refers to, here's what they're doing in this church. And God is showing us, we should learn from that. God is showing us how these people, these Christians in this church are responding and giving of their lack for those who are starving. You ought to do the same. And so they're, they're, we hold each other accountable, and we hold e- congregations accountable for one another. As you know, I travel to the Philippines. I haven't had a chance to go there for some time. Uh, but in the Philippines, uh, I'm glad I don't live there because at some place or other, there's typhoons or there's earthquakes all the time.
1: There's always some yeah. and,
2: and But what happens, I mean, it's not the same. I come back home, I live a completely different life than they do in the Philippines, but what happens there is of concern to me and the people in this church here and in the church next door, because we
0: are a church. We're not just a local congregation. That's right, and And, across time as well. And and that that definitely covers that diaconal aspect of denominational work. There was, you you brought up uh, uh, Philippians, Mm. And the history of that church is the fact that 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 city was made up of retired Mil- military, yeah. and so here's here's my wonderful. Uh, they were Roman citizens. They were Roman citizens, retired military, and this is so. This is my they're, they're transition. They're from Gettysburg. Yeah, that that's right. Yeah. Here's my here's my transition for you. Talk a little bit about the chaplaincy then, because that's essentially what that city was. Was you had you had former officers, former military. Paul goes there and, and ministers. I mean, there, there's a lady there who's, who's you know selling purple, which was one of the colors oh, that the Praetorian would, Guard would wear. They would wear them? Right, so yeah. um, talk, talk a little bit about the, the aspect of, in the OPC specifically, the denominational work of, uh, of sponsoring, mm-hmm. promoting uh, chaplaincy. Now, and I do have one question. Is it sure. just within military or does it even branch down no, to uh, the local pl- police no, our, and our, stuff?
1: Our view of the chaplaincy uh, goes to, um, we call it um, institutional, uh, military, and uh, law enforcement. Good. Okay. So uh, you'd be uh, hospitals and um, in industry as well. Like That's some... some uh, Forward-minded companies kind of see that there's a spiritual health that needs to be yeah, okay. attended to. So, uh, yeah. So you've got I was by far the largest portion is the military, right? And by far the largest portion of the military is, of course, the army. Oh dear. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So, um, Colonel Morgan yeah. speaking now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Philippians was a military town. Yes. Um, a battle happened there because they, in the middle of the battle got their eye on the prize of the booty that was in the city and didn't continue to attack the enemy and then lost the battle. (laughs) So they wanted all the riches, but they didn't want to do what they had to. And um, I I come from a denomination that has a a strong DNA for military chaplaincy. Um, John Owen was a military chaplain, not in the best of of circumstances, of course, but um, they recognized the need to appoint ministers for the purpose of ministering outside the institution of the church, outside the organization of the church, to military people. That's a mission. That's a mission. Um, to, uh, to people in the hospital, to mm-hmm. all that. So um, that requires some very careful um, speech in this day and age. Oh, uh, because yeah. you are dealing with, uh, if you're dealing here in South Dakota, maybe less of a, uh, an issue. It would happen, but it still be mentioned that you can't just barging in and start, um, you know, hitting over the head with whatever. Uh, it, it, it's a more, it's a softer ministry. It's a, it's, but it is, it is not, it is not, it is not uh, it has strength and it has inflexibility about the truth. It has a purpose. And so, um, in like in the government with. Uh, Prison chaplains, military chaplains, all those kinds of government organizations that have chaplains in them. Um, we have a commission, and we've hired, we hire we we hire a, a former chaplain to chair that commission, and they advocate for our chaplains. They're just that's the the whole thing about two men not being married to each other. Mm-hmm. That's in the Westminster Confession as a confessional document. Yeah. So he's just saying what he's representing his denomination faithfully. Mm-hmm. Um, the outside the church doesn't understand that as well as we do and so that's why that commission exists to look out for the freedom of religion for the chaplains and for the people in the military as well um because uh you know there are uh, there are some i mean people in church do strange things Uh, they they sin and they, they do sins that you would seem but you should spend a little time to get appreciation of what the World out there is like, um, where there's no assumption of right and wrong and no concern for uh, God's glory in any way. There has to be a man to stand there and, and do that. Um, so that that has always been um, that has always been uh, one of the rewards of being a chaplain is is that um, you're alone, you're unafraid, and you're unarmed, and uh, there's nobody to help you. Uh, there's not a session, uh, there's not a consistory. Uh, military ministry is that kind of lone, it's a, it's a lone shepherd in the, in, the, in the land of the enemy uh, at, at times. Well, of
2: course, the uh, bringing it back to here just a little bit, yep. the, the ministry itself can be very lonely. Um, and that's, that brings us right back to the idea of being a churchman and doing mm-hmm. the work of the church beyond yeah. the local church. Having that accountability, um, you and can have having you somebody else to to back you up, having yeah. somebody else to be to re, be reporting
1: to, for no other reason, to stand next to the guy. That's right, and you know, hold him up if it to. And, and, and the so,
2: the idea of, I mean, certainly there are some local churches who have the wherewithal, uh, larger congregations, mm-hmm. uh, who can plant other churches. But as soon as they plant another church, it's not just the extension of them. I think sometimes there are some models that have done that. That that. Doesn't work well. It is another congregation of the church at large, and so uh, you can't get away from that.
0: And one one last subject. Of course, we we could go on to talk about various different aspects of denominational work, uh, publication, but uh, mm-hmm. and, and other things, uh, helping retired ministers, their widows, mm-hmm. all of that's denominational activity and diaconal, and, You were pointing and out. diaconal, which. Um, the last one. Let's, let's face it. We're we're a seminary putting together a podcast just to kind of so, so people can see. Hey, little well, this is a little bit of what we talk about in the classroom, uh, which is why this is called from the classroom. But even education, in the sense, is a denominational activity. No matter whether or not you have a denominational seminary, uh, it still is a denominational activity. For instance, uh, the the apostle Paul. In places would establish schools. He there were there was a school in Good. Ephesus. There was a school mm-hmm. in Antioch. In the Old Testament, there were the schools of the prophets. Oh, they, what, oh was, okay. Just for argument's sake, were, were they teaching people how to get anointed by the Holy Spirit? Uh-huh, no, no, they were teaching them how to proclaim the gospel. That's what it meant to be a school. So schools no matter what you want to call it do you want you want to call it an academy you want to call it a school an institution or something I don't care what you call it was never really up to a local church where one man was training somebody it was always a centralized area in a region where men would go and be trained for gospel ministry and
2: then if I can pick up on that and just talk a little bit about Heidelberg Seminary. We are in a local context um, and yet our our mission is we train men we're not a church we don't have men to prepare them and take them down and start churches we prepare men to do the work of the ministry and they become a part of church they might even be in another denomination Uh, but it, it begins at that that context from which we we teach ours is the, the RCOS, and uh, but we are very happy to um, have students that go beyond that, uh,
0: and uh, so that's that's kind of again another example of how that works. Just just for reference, uh, the work that we do in the Philippines and Kenya, those aren't RCUS churches. That's right. Those are completely different denominations in different countries, uh, but we do have OPC graduates, PCA graduates, uh, mainly RCUS graduates. Um, but yeah, we're, I like the idea of we're here to serve the church, to serve the church with education. And, um, one of these days we talk about the various means through which we do that besides just, besides just, uh, training men for pastoral ministry. With that said, to learn more about Heidelberg Theological Seminary, you can go to heidelbergseminary.org. You can go to Facebook, like us on Facebook, our YouTube channel, Uh, You can also listen to us uh, on Sermon Audio. Uh, And so we thank you for listening to From the Classroom of Heidelberg Theological Seminary. And we can't wait to have this discussion again.